Welcome to the Back in Shape podcast. Today we're going to be talking all about herniated discs. These are something that can really, really bother people. It's not necessarily fully understood what is even going on here. Um, and hopefully today's podcast, we're going to be really giving you guys a bit more of an understanding. What's going on, why it happens, how it happens, and then more importantly, towards the back end of the podcast, we're going to be going through a bit about what you can do to fix it. And the, the, the fundamental thing with today's podcast is that so often when people have uh, a diagnosis of a slip, bulging or herniated disc, they feel like it's a diagnosis of a glass bag. It's always going to be like that. It's never going to get better. And hopefully by the end of today, you're going to understand really what's happened, uh, but more importantly, what to do going forwards. Um, as always, if you do find these podcasts helpful, then remember, you can get them wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch them on the YouTube channel and you can also watch them on our website, backinshapeprogram.com. So with that out of the way, um, I've got a few notes here with me today because there are quite a few bits that I want to go through with you guys um, and uh, we'll get really right into it. The, the first thing I wanted to point out, um, kind of following on from what I just mentioned about the back being a sort of a glass back after we've been diagnosed with one of these things, is that fundamentally your back can be immensely strong. We see examples of this all over the place. The lumbar spine uh, in general can be immensely strong and bear hundreds of pounds of load effectively over and over and over again without any real damage. It can run hundreds if not thousands of miles without even any damage and really is built to be able to adapt but it is an adaptive process that really takes place to allow you to be able to do that it's not born out of the box able to do these things and it really like most of the tissues in our body it adapts to the way in which we use it on a daily basis we can build it up slowly over the years or conversely sometimes with and without an injury it can start to slowly break down it can weaken the structures that support that lower back the muscles the ligaments the discs etc can all start to weaken and become more vulnerable so that is firstly the very most important thing that we have to get in our mind and that is applicable to every single one of you guys watching uh, this video or listening to this podcast the second thing is that know that it takes an awful lot longer to build these things up than it does for them to waste away. We'll know this, those of you that watch the train regularly, you'll notice that it takes an awful lot of time to build up muscular strength specifically, but quite often a couple of weeks out of the gym and all of a sudden you feel that, that some of those lifts, that, that strength uh, evaporates relatively quickly and it takes a bit of time to build it back up longer than the time you were maybe out of activity. So that is one of the important things. It's just a fact of life. It, I use the example, um, if, you've, if you've read uh, sort of the preface to this podcast of building a house, it takes a lot longer to build a house thoughtfully robustly than it does to demolish it and knock it down to the ground. So just bear that in mind, your body is like that and your back is like that and it can be very, very strong, but also it does take a bit of time to build it up. So getting on to the second point that I wanted to cover was the actual structure of these discs. How are they made? Because that can help you better understand what's going on. Now the discs have a, a sort of in, 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 in amongst their structure, they also have some important functions and roles to fulfill. So the discs are the form the front part of the vertebral column, if you will. They are an extension of the vertebral body, which is that big bit on the front of the vertebra as we think of it, um, which basically bears most of the load. On the back part of our vertebra, we have what are called the facet joints, and often they're going to be spoken to alongside the discs and, and what may, may or may not be happening in that area of the spine. And the discs are basically there to provide a cushion for the vertebra, but also to provide a space between the vertebra because in between each one of those vertebral units, so let's say the L4 and the L5 vertebra, we have the L4, L5 disc, which is providing a separator. And out the side of that little gap, 
uh, between the front, the vertebral body, and the back, the facet joints, we've got some of those exit foramina, and that's where those nerves lead. And in the case of the L4-5, we've got the L4 nerve exiting the spine just below it, the L5-S1, the L5 nerve exiting the spine. And those nerves are going to go further down into the pelvic girdle. They're going to join and form the sciatic nerve. And some of you guys watching and listening to this might have some more explicit experience with their sciatic nerve. Um, you know, it, it, it's one of the biggest nerves, if not the biggest, or it is the biggest nerve in the body. And that's where some of those nerve roots go on to form. So it's got a role, these discs, of separating out two vertebral bodies to create space. And with creating that space, it also allows for movement, it allows for compression. But the actual structure itself of the disc is very, very important. In the center, we have the nucleus pulposus. That is a fundamentally mostly water. And it's there because water is non-compressible. So if we've got a set amount of water in a space, it is held in its place by a series of layers of what makes up the annulus fibrosus. And it's by holding that disc without it being able to escape anywhere, that, that central nucleus in place by the annulus holding those layers, holding it in the center of the disc, that it gives the disc its height. It's a confined amount of material, the fluid isn't going to compress. The disc might bulge a little bit as load goes through it, and that's completely normal. It is allowed to deform under load temporarily, um, but that is temporary. Maybe you pick something up, you put it back down again, you move around, etc. There's gonna be a little bit of movement through that disc, but fundamentally the disc material in the middle, that nucleus, cannot go anywhere. Now the next thing we think about is gonna be the annulus itself, because the annulus fibrosus is primarily ligamentous in nature. It's a series of sheets of ligaments, if you will, that run from the top vertebra down to the bottom vertebra. But importantly, they don't run directly down because that wouldn't make them as secure. They actually run on a slant or diagonally from the top vertebra down to the next vertebra. And then we have each of those individual layers, of which there are many, arranged perpendicular to one another, so at right angles. And that means that when you're twisting, when you're bending, when you're compressing, it just adds to this mesh of support that holds that nucleus right in the middle of the vertebra, keeping the height of the disc and keeping its integrity. And that is a very, very important thing. And for future examples, as we're talking through today's, um, today's podcast, think of it as a jam donut. We've got that jam in the middle and we've got the dough that forms, though it is the annulus in this example, that forms that protective layer. Now, one of the things when we're thinking about injury to the disc is yes, today we've opened it talking about herniated discs, but really disc injuries form more of a continuum or a scale. That is to say that we might have a minor strain to aspects of the disc through compression, uh, through, through just straining the structures that maintain its integrity as we've just discussed. But then it can also become, move into a bit more of a slipped or bulging disc and then move to a herniated disc. And then we've got different degrees of that as well to the point where the nucleus, that central gel that we mentioned, squirts all the way out and is no more in the center. So there is a huge range and it's helpful to understand that rather than breaking it down into one specific one or the other because that range helps us understand how these things actually happen. Now, quite often it is, it is in fact not quite often, more or less all of the time, in experience, these sorts of disc injuries, someone comes into the clinic or joins, joins the membership with a disc herniation, it has not been a one-off incident. They haven't fallen off a second story, out of a second story window, they haven't fallen off a ladder, they haven't been in a car accident, no. It's been something relatively minor that's been the final straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, hence the phrase. It's been a slow buildup. Now we mentioned the structure earlier on, that nucleus in the center, and then we mentioned that we've got those layers of annulus fibrosus. One of the things that we didn't touch on 
was the innovation, the ability for our conscious mind to be aware of or perceive what is going on in that disc. And you can probably imagine there's not a lot of reason for the mind to be aware of what's going on. We need to know what's happening on the tips of our fingers very acutely, very specifically, but we don't need to know what's happening right in the middle of our disc where the nucleus is in contact with those first couple of annulus fibrosis fibers. But what does happen in that inner two thirds or so is slowly over time, damage and degeneration or degradation rather of those tissues, micro traumas, cause the central part of the fluid, the disc, uh, the nucleus, to start to creep through and break and encroach through some of those layers. And we don't really get made aware of this very much because as I said, there's not, that, there's not those receptors to notice this happening. And that's where we might start to notice a degree of bulging. As we start to see that the central fluid that was held, we held within, let's just say, picking random numbers here, a one centimeter sort of squared or cubed area. Now it's spread over a large area. It's able to go out wider than that. And therefore, the things that were, the margins that were holding it in place in the center are no more. So that same amount of fluid is spread over a wider area and therefore the height of the disc will drop slightly, creating a bit of a bulging in those ligaments on the outside. And this is gonna be the first layer of that, understanding that bulging that's taking place. The outer layers aren't really damaged at this point per se, but we have got a dropping and a noticeable bulging because that fluid is not held in its place anymore. It's really been moved out of place. And slowly as the injury progresses, you might find that that bit of fluid starts to push through more and more layers. Maybe there's a bit of scar tissue that's formed and it hasn't healed quite as well. And then it breaks through a couple more layers until it gets to that outer third. And that's when we start to notice more in the way of pain and symptoms, because that's when that disc has a little bit more in the way of innovation. We start to feel it quite often earlier on though, you will feel some aches, but we just, you know, life's so busy nowadays. We just dismiss those things and say, oh, well, it's just a bit of backache. It's just a bit of discomfort. I'll just get on and crack on with it. Now, the important thing to notice here is that it's often not those first couple of um, couple of breaks through the ligaments that we really notice. But I use the example quite often in the past or have used it in the past of your trousers splitting. We've all been there, we bent over and we felt, oh, a little rip's gone. And you check, oh, nothing bad's happened there. But the fibers have come a little bit loose. They're not, they haven't got that same integrity and we'll come back to this in a moment. And then the second time you bend over, oh, then it goes and it goes, really goes. A number of layers maybe rip open at the same time and all of a sudden you've got a hole in the crotch of your trousers. And that is not ideal. Well, this brings me to a point of integrity. When all of those structures are nice and tight, there is a natural integrity or tension in the spine. No single point of the spine, be it the L4-5 disc, the ligaments on the back or higher up or lower down or the muscles, etc., are decidedly weak. They're all tense and therefore they all move as a unit one way or the other. There's, there's intrinsic tension in the system. But what we've discussed happening so far, that disc starting to sleep, seep through some of those layers, is that that integrity, that tension, that passive tension, primed tension that was in the system has now started to go. And there's this little pocket at L5S1 where things aren't quite as tense as they were before, as primed as they were before. There's a little bit extra movement that's ready to take place. And that's when a sudden movement one way or the other although we might not perceive that movement to be crazy, maybe it's bending down to, to put the socks on, is enough to cause a sudden movement and then a sudden arrestment of movement. And another example, because I think these examples are good to help you guys understand it in, real, in the real world, especially if you're listening to this rather than watching, is that if you have a seatbelt on and you're driving around and maybe you're with a driver that's not quite so good, if your seatbelt's on nice and tight, it's hugging you nicely to the chair, 
if we even use the example of actually racing car seats where everything's really pinned in and you're stuck right into the, the chair, you and the chair and the chassis of the car are really one. Now, if there's any sudden bumps, moves, breaks, you don't really notice it too much on your body. But if you loosen that seatbelt by a little, let's say an inch or so, all of a sudden, the same braking, your body is gonna carry on accelerating and then suddenly hit the limit of that seatbelt. And that is gonna cause you tremendous pain on the front. That's why we say to children, hey look, put your seatbelt on properly, don't loosen it, because that all of a sudden arrestment of motion is what is a problem, rather than the whole system being primed and tight and then everything sharing that insult. It's gonna be your chest contacting onto the belt or perhaps that third or fourth or fifth or 15th layer of the annulus contacting that disc as the, as the two vertebral bodies come crashing together because they haven't had that natural tension like the rest of the segments of the spine. And that's where really some of these injuries can happen. There's a loss of integrity in and around the level of the spinal disc that we're talking about that has meant it has moved, it's become unstable. And this is one of the things, moving on to what we're gonna to do to help, that really challenges people because when you have disc injuries, you're going to find that the segment that the disc injury is in is not quite stable. It's not just going to be the disc, it's going to be the ligaments around that entire segment. And it's important to remember that we separate these things out for our own academic understanding, but really they all work with one another. It's incredibly difficult when you see the spine move. And I think I will demonstrate, just for those of you, you that are watching this on the YouTube channel, when the spine moves forwards like so, not only the disc fibers in the back here being stretched, but also the, the fibers of ligaments that are between the spinal segments, they are also being stretched as well. And therefore, if there's an injury to one, there's gonna be an injury of some, in some capacity to the other, or at least a strain. Now, just before we do get onto what you're gonna to do to help, it's just worth understanding one of the key roles of ligaments, because ligaments, just like, your, um, just like your tendons, are not really designed to move too much. Tendons are a little bit less so, ligaments do have a bit of give in them, but they're designed to restrict movement. If we take, for example, your knee, or even your finger or any other joint. The knee is designed to bend one way primarily. It moves in that hinging motion. But the knee, if you grab your knee and you know how to do it, maybe you're not medically trained, you can actually bend the knee to the side a little bit momentarily. And the knee will allow you to do that without any trouble, just like the lumbar spine will allow you to move in certain directions without any trouble. But the one thing with ligaments is that they undergo, unlike tendons or less so like tendons, they undergo a process called creep. And creep is the process by which those ligaments reach a tensile strength and they stop moving. But if you keep applying the same load, all of a sudden they start to creep, they start to stretch a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And this is the capacity or the process within ligaments, inherent to ligament structure, that we use to make uh, to, to, to do spinal remodeling or have done in the past, which is where you change the spinal alignment. But you wouldn't dream of sitting with your knee crooked off to one side, bent off at right angles rather than its usual flexion extension movement, bent off to the side for 20 minutes at a time, you'd all of a sudden find the ligaments of the medial collateral ligament, if we're bending the knee towards the outside or the lower leg to the outside, you'd find those ligaments would start to stretch, would start to destabilize, and that would lead to a destabilized knee joint, which is definitely not something that we want. Well, in the lower back, many of us spend well in excess of 20 minutes in any one go, maybe hours even, every day in the office, let alone the hours we then maybe spend when we sit down at home in bad positions, rounding that lumbar spine, putting consistent stretch through the ligaments of the lower lumbar spine, particularly L4-5 and L5-S1, stretching those ligaments out further. And think about all we've discussed so far, the role of stretching and creating this instability on top of or pre 
previously to or prior to an injury occurring at the level of the disc. We now have a lot more instability, a less, a less passive tension in that lower lumbar system, if you will, to absorb and deal with shock stress, shock, stress and strain. So when we do get an injury, we really do have a good degree of instability, which is why so many people find they have these reflex or relapses on a regular basis with seemingly innocuous activities. It's not really the activities that are necessarily the problem per se. There are obviously caveats to that. You know, bending down with a rounded back is not going to be a good thing to do at all at any stage um, of your recovery process. But it's that instability there without the appropriate proper guards to protect it that really leads to these relapses over and over again. And it can be very disheartening if you don't know why that is happening. Now, hopefully now after watching this so far, you understand why that is. So what are we actually going to do about it? Well, the important first thing we need to do is we need to protect from further damage. We need to learn to engage our core, provide stability protection to the lumbar spine so it doesn't have the ability to move as erroneously. And we're gonna hijack that in the early days by learning to engage our core properly, learning to provide that Trans, that full, full uh, protection and engagement from muscles like the transverse abdominis to that midsection. So there is a little bit more integrity, a little bit more stability to the spine and that whole region of the lower back when we're engaging in any movements. Learning to do that is probably one of the most important first steps and one step that many of us get away without doing for a long period of time until we become injured and then we have to learn how to do it properly. It would have been much better if we had done it before being injured because it massively helps the recovery process. From there, we do want to acknowledge that yeah, this disc is under load. So any sort of activity that is going to increase the load that caused the damage in the first place is going to be problematic. So things like sitting for extended periods or sitting period is not going to be helpful. If we take the example of a broken leg, the leg has failed under load. Maybe you did jump out that window and, and or you fell off that ladder and you've impacted and broken the leg. It's failed under load. That's what your lower back has done if you have a disc injury. It's failed to effectively deal with load without the discs becoming compromised. You normally get put in a cast and not able to walk around on that leg for a certain number of weeks or maybe even months, depending on the severity. But with the lower back, we cannot do that. And that's not advisable because of the consequences it would have for the muscle's ability to maintain stability. So you'd have a horrible rehabilitation process afterwards because you would have just lost so much muscular support. It wouldn't be worth doing. But recognize that normally we would try and isolate that area and protect it. You have to do the job of avoiding activities that put unnecessary loads. So sitting, unfortunately, is one of those ones you've got to limit. Activities that include bending, those sorts of movements are going to also be problem problematic. Now, while you're doing that, we do want to provide a bit of respite. And that's the sort of stuff that we talk about in phase one of the Back in Shape program. And I know many of you that watch these are going to be members with us, so you've got all the help you need there. But for those of you that don't, following that sort of work, we want to start to reintroduce a degree of control. Learning to actually control and maintain that stability that we mentioned a moment ago in the lumbar spine and around the lumbar spine is going to protect your discs from that erroneous movement, decrease the likelihood that that seatbelt all of a sudden has to bang on and injure that disc again or aggravate that disc again. And that's about learning to engage the core whilst we're moving other areas of our body. It's about learning, for example, when you sit down onto a chair, that your lumbar spine shouldn't necessarily be involved in the flexion. It should all come from your hips. So learning to isolate your hip movement from your lower back movement, again, something people often really, really struggle with. Those are the important things short to medium term. The long-term things that we need to do is recognize that our back has been injured. It's been knocked back in its integrity, its strength, its stability. But know that your body is always trying to respond to stimuli. So your body will be trying to rebuild. Once you get to a certain point of recovery and healing, your body will have laid down a nice scab around the tissues that are damaged. 
and then it's going to try and reorganize those collagen fibers etc along stress lines we see this in bones for example you can see it actually clearly on an x-ray the little lines of force going through the bones that are laid down a little bit more dense in certain areas for example going through the neck of the femur um, and you can also see them sometimes continuously through from the actual pelvis into the head of your femur and your across your hip joint where these bones are lining up or the the, the, the inner fibers of the bone so to speak are actually lining up well, the same is going to happen in your discs, providing you provide the correct stimuli. This is why rest, bed rest, is just the worst possible thing we can do. There's nothing to coordinate. Those cells that are starting to repair that disc have no idea where on earth they should be laying down more or less collagen to build up and restore the strength and integrity of that disc and patch up the wound because you're not putting load through when you're doing bed rest. So steadily providing resistance work through those discs over time by way of just doing upright exercises, the correct ones of course with good form and then later on adding resistance and load will allow you to build back up these strong discs and one of the simple advice that we simple bits of advice that we give to a lot of our members is say look have an honest reflection of what sort of activities you're likely to come into contact with on a daily basis and you do not want those to be the heaviest thing you have had to lift so if it's a heavy plant pot how heavy is it often i use the example of a 20 kilo hol holiday suitcase that many of you will lift without really thinking about oh i won't do a squat with a five kilo dumbbell but i will lift that 20 kilo holiday suitcase up that flight of stairs into the new hotel in wherever it is bad idea so we think about and honestly reflect on those things the suitcase the fridge that needs moving all of these things that might come we might come into contact with and therefore we choose to build our discs build our resistance training program simple exercises like squats and hip hinges etc can really really help you here building the resistance that we're using that we're putting through those discs in a controlled safe environment with good form over a period of time will allow not only the discs but also all the other structures around that injured or herniated disc to recover and rebuild to a point often stronger than beforehand so hopefully that's given you guys watching today if you've come this far through the podcast a little bit of an understanding on how these herniated discs work and more importantly how they can get better it's the sort of thing that we help members with all the time in the back in shape program and uh, if you are struggling with that you can always reach out to us and just a final thing uh, before you go guys we do have our sunday publication sunday newsletter sunday email that goes out every single week if you're watching it this is the this could be uh the week that we've released this particular one if not check out on our website um, you can see a little link to sign up to the sunday email list it's not only the podcast like this a full written up version as well with extra details that i've probably forgotten to mention on today's podcast but also extra practical tips that you can take to immediately make a change in whatever aspect today we're talking about discs so you'll be able to see those there'll be a link to that in the show notes if you're watching on podcast or listening on podcast and on youtube there'll be a link in the description as well thanks so much for watching and if you do find these helpful please consider sharing them with someone or subscribing to whatever channel you're watching this on right now see you in the next one